0: Welcome back to Season 2 of the Aware Podcast. In this global podcast, Nikki and Sarah your hosts, chat to inspirational guests who've all had a breakthrough moment in either life, leadership or business. We share our adventures as we talk through the moments, courage, laughter and insight. A big thank you to all our listeners and we hope that you're going to enjoy Season 2 as much as you did Season 1. Don't forget Rate, review, subscribe, and share to keep us moving forward.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role,
2: like me.
1: Hello, welcome to the Aware Group podcast. We feel very uh, privileged today to have an amazing guest, Dr. Raman Atri, who is here to share his life, his business, and really how he's bounced forward to where you are today and all those learnings along the way. Our guests are really interested in hearing about our, um, our guest's aha moments those moments where you know there's a point of self-reflection you know people look and determine that sometimes people look like they have it all but how have they got to where they are today Mm -hmm. so welcome
2: thank you so much sarah and nikki it's really my pleasure to be at your show it will be my pleasure to really share with your audience how i went through my journey Thank you. Oh,
0: we can't wait. I was just talking a little bit uh, to Moran off air that uh, he lives in Singapore, which is my second home, where my my uh, family live there as well, um, and 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 he's he's in lockdown hell as well at the moment. <laughs> so yeah. you know we've got that yeah. in common. But look, one of one of the things that I was saying off air um, why we wanted you on was we love stories of people that sometimes have a tough start in life or a a tough moment in life and don't drown in it what they do is go okay well now how am I going to make this work for me Um, so I think our listeners would love to hear your tough moment what is it that um, that you've had to face and how have you made that into this amazing successful man and lifestyle that you now have
2: Thank you so much. Uh, I would love to answer that question. So my story starts when I was six months old. uh, But before that, of course, I was born in India in a remote area. And I was born to very poor parents. There were no education facility, medical facilities or anything else. I mean, there was hardly any awareness back then. And I think uh, because of those conditions, somehow I got unlucky and I uh, caught up polio. And uh, at that time, polio was a, a sort of uh, a pandemic or endemic. I don't know what they categorized at that time, but it was mm-hmm. all over the world. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, six months, uh, my parents didn't know at that time what happened. They thought this going to be just a mild fever or something like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, very late, they knew that uh, it's polio and uh, it took away my ability to walk. And in fact, a six-year-old kid, a six-month-old kid wouldn't walk really. So I knew that one very late that I had lost something, which is pretty natural to the rest of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's how I started my life, I mean, crawling on the floor first. And uh, at, as I grew up, I somehow managed to hold my leg with two hands and uh, limp, And uh, that was wow. my way of walking or transport. But then, you know, first 20 years of my life has been a a sort of a homo sapien evolution. I kind (laughs) of evolved from crawling on the floor, holding my legs with my hands. Then I started walking with the walking cane. And uh, eventually, very late, I learned how to walk with crutches. And uh, today, as of now, I walk with crutches. It's painful, Mm -hmm. but uh, I I kind of mastered that art along the way. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the beginning years of my life, it has been very difficult because mm-hmm. uh, at that time, you know, uh, with that kind of condition, with schools being so remote, uh, no mm-hmm. accessibility or anything, there is no concept of special education or anything of that kind. Yeah. I was at a very high risk of not ever being able to go to even primary school. Mm-hmm. So my parents...
0: There wouldn't have been any medical physio for you, no. checkups, especially from a poor background. It would have been yeah. really survival.
2: You know? Yeah, exactly. Even the nearest hospital was several kilometres away. And as I said, my parents were, you know, kind of they were very poor, they couldn't afford any of those high end medical facilities. So they Mm -hmm. tried whatever they could within their means at that time. And more or less because of the remote area being uneducated, they resorted to those home remedies. Or sometimes even go to those ghostbusters. They thought some, some <laughs> kind of ghost landed inside me, and that's what you know took away my ability. Yeah. So also those are like, tantric things and everything. So, but I, I think they tried. They tried their best. Well, like good parents do.
0: They're going to try everything within mm-hmm. their power Absolutely. to help mm-hmm. help you, um, even mm-hmm. if it is like ghostbusters. Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: You're 20 years down the track. What happened? How did you start yeah. going, yeah. you know, there's a secret source in me. There's something yeah. special yeah. that I can give back.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in fact, you know, my life kind of uh, became a little different when I started wearing these prosthetics. Uh, those prosthetics mm-hmm. have, you know, kind of steel rods, a lot of leather straps, heavy boot at the bottom. And uh, I was kind of almost looked like an alien. <laughs> um, because it was kind of 20 kilograms of weight on my leg. And wow. uh, instead of putting me in the mainstream among those kids, it actually alienated me. So I yeah. was kind of labeled as, you know, something out of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's where the whole isolation thing started coming in, where mm-hmm. kids will either bully me or they will make mm-hmm. fun of me. And mm-hmm. uh, more often, you know, we used to get to school together, primary school, and they will leave me behind. And it has been very difficult at that time. And mm-hmm. uh, every time I felt that, you know, I because I lost the ability to walk, I obviously didn't have a speed like them. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, able to only take baby steps. So that cycle went for many years. And then at one, one particular day, I think I thought, okay, no problem. If I can't walk uh, faster, I'm going to find the speed in something else. Mm-hmm. And that became my sort of mantra that if not this, then what else? Mm, yeah. And then I figured out that, you know, if I can't walk faster with my physical body or something, mm-hmm. I might be able to walk faster in something. And that something else turned out to be using my brain power, ability to think and learn. And mm-hmm. very soon mm-hmm. I mastered this art of uh, learning faster. And that's exact thing is what brought me here now that I am world authority on speed in learning and mm-hmm. performance
1: which is amazing, isn't it? It's sort of taking what is that point that could hold us back and saying how else can I channel this because my the speed that comes from my a physical part of my body, such as my legs, there's so many other parts of my body that I can still source that, that speed and that truth from.
0: I'm wondering how how, you know, you're a young, lovely little kid, Uh, From a tough background, obviously your parents adored you and gave you a lot of love that allowed you to have that sense of self. But... How did you not crumble around the bullying and the isolation? What is it in you that made you go, okay, if I can't be that way, I'll do that way? Because that's an incredible strength that's insane. innate in you that, yeah. that yeah. I think you know, some of our listeners would be going, I would have been mm. rocking in a corner. What was it, do you think, that allowed you to go, hang on a minute, there's another way of doing this? Yeah. So young yeah. as well.
2: Yeah. No, in fact, I think I was subjected to that kind of bullying and I felt bad for many years. It didn't come so natural i was at that point of time in that corner i would say i i felt self-isolated i felt that i didn't have the circle i felt that you know i was glued to my chair at that time because i didn't have enough mobility and i was mm-hmm. kind of contained in my room and only thing i could do is uh if i'm gonna go out of home with my baby steps i'm gonna get bullied and made fun of mm-hmm. but if i'm going to get contained in my room i will only be able to see uh, through my windows, all the kids playing, you know, all sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So either way, both way, I felt bad. So I was in that yeah. corner for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually felt naturally like other kids uh, that I'm not wanted or I'm not uh, welcomed in this world. So um, that feeling is natural. I don't think anybody is born with the feeling of uh, resist that those kind of uh, circumstances. So what, mm-hmm. what happens is that at some point of time, you're going to need to see that, all right, whatever it is, it is. So acceptance is very important piece first to mm-hmm. be able to understand, yes, I lack something. I miss something. I don't have what other people have. Mm-hmm. Unless we accept ourselves the way we are, there is no way we can progress. So that part came very difficult to me, the acceptance part. Mm-hmm. But once I accepted that, then say, all right, okay, this is going to be with me forever. This is par- going to be part of me. Mm-hmm. So I began to take it as part of my personality. So that mm-hmm. was the way that I found my strength. And then I say, wait a second, what do I have which other people don't have? So I figured mm-hmm. that uh, I was contained in this room. I don't have friends. I don't have any social interruptions. So I don't have spoiler friends. So I had plenty of time, uninterrupted time, which any kid could hardly imagine. Because, you know, when you're a kid, all you need is time to play and you want endless time. And that endless time I had, of course, I couldn't use it for play. Then I say, you know what? I'm going to be in this room. I'm going to make best use of this distraction-free time. And that's how I immersed myself into uh, books and uh, started learning a lot of things. And that's where the equation turned around.
0: Are you enjoying this podcast? fantastic. Why don't you share it and send us a review? We'd love to hear back from you. And if you're wondering how aware you are in life, leadership and business, why not go to quiz. That's quiz.
2: Because I started mastering every single thing, poetry, palmistry, physics, any book you name. I remember first book I read when other kids were reading comics, I was reading Dale Carnegie's book. <laughs> <laughs> so I was already kind of, you know, ahead of others because I had time. I had I'm that I would yeah. And <laughs> that's where, you know, all that bullying, all that uh, uh, feeling of teasing, people actually started coming to me, oh, can you teach yeah. us? Mm. So you see, the whole equation got turned around because then mm. I kind of positioned myself that, yeah, I was ahead, I was faster, and they wanted to master the exact same thing. And then it kind of naturally came to me. So this is how the things turned around, you know.
1: Yeah, wow. And I really love the fact that you talk about acceptance. You Mm know, we talk about it in the context of, you know, finding those gaps Mm -hmm. that and taking you to the point of accepting them as being comfortable. I've got them. Now it's what I do with them. Now it's about how do I elevate them to that next point, and I mean, you—you you would have been the most popular kid around mm. after all of that, you know. You, uh,
2: you not in the so beginning, much. not in the beginning. Of course, <laughs> I wasn't popular. Uh, but I, I want to—you know—make make one point on acceptance. More mm. often, uh, we take. There is a very thin line between acceptance and compromise. So yes. many times we say, you know, oh, it is there. I can't do anything about this. That's compromise. That's not true acceptance because true acceptance gives you strength. It becomes part of your personality. You use it as an X factor that, you know what, it is there and I'm going to use it. That's the Mm -hmm. true acceptance because you feel good about that. And, uh, you know, as I said, once that happens, eventually I became very popular kid. I had the largest friendship circle. Uh, among all my friends. I was called yeah. party maker. <laughs> <Sort of. laughs>
0: all right, well, we're dropping in next time we're yeah, in Singapore. Yeah, absolutely. I'm to
1: say the party maker. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
0: We'll, we'll put that on the entry form. Where are you staying? Party maker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's right.
1: <laughs> but I think um, you're right. I think, um, you know, quite often we compromise or we tolerate, but true acceptance is really identifying and knowing what it is and knowing yeah. what you can do with it because there's always options of what mm-hmm. you can do with it. But that that mindset, that sense of feeling over completely overwhelmed and trapped by it is what acceptance releases you from. It's, a you know, yeah. leverages you to that next point. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. And I have to say um, I was looking at some articles and would I be fair to say that um, there's a time in your life that you had the experience of being in a, is it a DeLorean from? Um, we've got a photo got of you in a the photo. DeLorean. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i tell you what,
1: that would have been my magic moment. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh yeah it was uh, great i just got that opportunity to be in that car and uh, it it was fun you know back to the future is every kid uh, can can kind of associate it's a sort of memory in everybody's yes. life and sitting in that car was uh, uh, definitely a sort of uh, i would say nostalgia mm. yeah
0: absolutely and again i love this uh, this kid that um has uh, fought the odds, hit hit the mm. floor, and then come back up again. He's sitting in a car of the future. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. What yeah. would be yeah. your, like, what is the biggest kind of success you've felt or mm. delivered or, you know, what, what is your, when you look back and go, oh, I'm so glad I nailed that?
2: Uh, biggest success for myself or for others?
0: Both. For both. both, yeah. Uh-huh. Let's have an example okay. of what you've done for others yeah. and what you've done for mm.
2: yourself. I think for myself, uh, you know, it, in the beginning, I, everything I was trying to do was for myself. I was in a race with myself. I mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of something and be something important, which I can do important thing myself and important things for others. So mm-hmm. part of that one was me to see that, you know, how I can progress forward. And uh, as the most important thing I I think I had decided back then when I was a kid, I thought I wanted to be a scientist. And uh-huh. I think that was something I thought about somewhere in my school time, uh, because the way I looked at it is I thought that will be something which is gonna differentiate me in the future. And, mm-hmm. uh, but then there were a lot of hurdles on that way because uh, mm-hmm. um, my best bet to become scientist was to go for engineering. And engineering was something which, because of my condition was kind of outruled. Right away, yes. they say yeah, okay. you know you can't be, and many of the engineering institution even uh, uh, they rejected me. They said you know no no we can't give you the admission. But eventually yeah, I got on, into <laughs>
0: based on the fact you had a disability. Is that the yeah, yeah yeah that's uh, that
2: was the reason. Uh, because uh, engineering is supposed to be kind of a physical sort of science where you're yeah. to need to use your body and everything. And, and back then, engineering wasn't as sophisticated as what we have mm-hmm. today. Right now, mm-hmm. you can do the whole engineering in front of computer screen. But back mm-hmm. then, it was more mechanical, more hands-on kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. But eventually, I became an uh, engineer. And in fact, I became engineer at the age of 21, which was pretty young age. Wow. Be an engineer. <laughs> yeah. Young yeah so (laughs) that's a lot of study. (laughs) (laughs) that's that's right that's right and then one year later i became a technology scientist the thing which Mm -hmm. i thought uh, in my primary school that i want to be
0: yeah
2: Uh, i I think uh, that was the kind of you know breaking that barrier breaking that wall somehow and be on other side that was something which i had kind of done and and from that point onward i thought that was was my path I Mm -hmm. stayed as a technology scientist for about 10 years, and then I figured out, you know what, I'm gonna need to go back to my basic passion, what I was Mm -hmm. good in, and I was good in learning. And I Mm -hmm. thought, okay, I'm gonna be a learning scientist and performance scientist, figure Mm -hmm. out how people can learn faster. Mm -hmm. Because the the important thing I mastered is, how do I learn faster? But then Mm -hmm. I realized one thing, and that's where the second part of the question is what I've done for others. I realized mm. that in our schools, our colleges, or universities, nobody teach us how to learn. Mm.
0: Yes. Everybody
2: teaches content, subject, mm. mathematics, geography, whatever subject we study. But mm. nobody teaches us how to learn better, how to mm. learn faster. And it wasn't really be- uh, only, you know, in my community, uh, just because there was no educational facilities. I have been into one of uh, many of the advanced countries and mm. kids. And professional in all those countries have the exact same problem. Nobody ever taught them how to learn better and faster. Mm. And that's Mm. where, you know, I kind of brought in my research for over 10 years. I did two doctorates, and the know how I have created is two.
0: two, Yeah, yeah, you
2: know, one wasn't enough. (laughs) Uh, One wasn't enough, I think. Uh, You know, I I think part of that one is very important is when you are going to teach people how to learn faster, you're going to need to have a you need to be able to stand there you know guys i have done it for myself this yeah. is how i have done it and this is how you can do it and that part was very important in fact in addition to two doctors i have over 100 international <laughs> credential degrees and uh, all those kind of things so well, you are living it
1: <laughs> yeah that's right you're living you're living what you're uh, bringing others into which makes yeah, it yeah. so authentic
2: because if you look at this today in the market, people are talking about accelerated learning, learning faster mm. and, uh, but I don't see any evidence that mm. have they even done for themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. If they haven't
2: done for themselves, they're most likely going to teach you what they read in books, mm. but that's not what the learning faster means because there is very, very little science around this. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'm going to build a science about speed in learning or learning faster. And then I'm going to give it to the world, to professional executives, employees, so that everyone can learn faster. And when we learn faster, we get more time to enjoy other things in life. So yeah. that's an important thing I'm trying to do for the rest of the world.
0: Again, there's that beautiful synchronicity of the kid that could only go slow is now teaching the world how to go, go faster.
1: Fast. Yeah. You know,
0: th- there's just that lovely equilibrium about life. Um, I'm thinking when I went to school, when I where I went to school, they decided they were going to introduce in Australia um, a thing called open plan learning, where you're you're in a huge classroom, yes. and we were taught then speed reading was part of you know the new age curriculum, um, mm. and it was probably the best thing I was ever taught yeah. on how to efficiently read very fast as I went through university and things. And I still do it now, like I can read yeah. really quickly. My kids go, how do you do that? I'm thinking, why aren't we all teaching more efficient ways of consuming knowledge? That's right. So I love that yeah. you've gone, this is a gap. i are you enjoying this podcast fantastic why don't you share it and send us a review we'd love to hear back from you and if you're wondering how aware you are in life leadership and business why not go to online forward slash quiz that's go.awaregroup.online forward slash
2: quiz Yeah, that's I think uh, there's a world now need to go beyond speed uh, reading, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of content and content is not important these days, Mm -hmm. because most important thing is the skills, the wisdom Mm -hmm. you bring in and wisdom not always come by reading a lot or Mm -hmm. consuming a lot of content. So how do you kind of get more experiences in your life in a Mm -hmm. way that you can build that wisdom and build those skills quickly. So that is the kind of science I'm trying to build on top of uh, what is called speed reading. Mm. I I really,
1: sorry, stop stop interrupting me. (laughs) 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 But I, I really love that because, you know, I'm a, I often in my profession get asked around the value of, you know, structured education versus lived experience. And I am a very strong believer that, being able to capture lived experience and being able to imply that, you know, that that's really that art of problem solving and, and being able to resonate with what's in front of me and how I can optimise that situation. So it's not only working with speed, but it's also working with depth and that depth to be able to interpret. So I think, you know, It'd be amazing, fascinating to, you know, learn more about your research and certainly be involved in that sort of side of it because that lived experience, I think, is such an undervalued element of, of the learning journey.
2: Yeah, I agree. Mm.
1: Um, when you talk about wisdom, I'm thinking,
0: um, look, you know, we're a bit long in the tooth now, so we're very wise um, people because we've lived on the planet long enough. How do you, in, in the younger age groups, you know, in high school, early entry into uni, what is your definition of wisdom for them? So if they're listening, they're probably going, well, you know, wisdom is a thing you old mm-hmm. people get. Yes. That, that's the bonus for for yeah. ageing. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by wisdom for them? What, How could they interpret that word?
2: Right, so I think wisdom has no relationship with the age. It's a very traditional definition which I don't mm-hmm. think holds true today. Um, yeah. Wisdom, I, I kind of when I went through my journey, my definition of wisdom has changed over a year. It's possibly yeah. not going to you know sound like the way it look, uh, sounded in the books. Um, but what I figured out is that we most of the time we expose our kids to information. Information mm-hmm. is all kind of facts and the content they can read and then they draw upon certain conclusion from that understanding which becomes their knowledge. But the knowledge is not enough because knowledge is something which you kind of uh, assimilated in your mind. Wisdom comes when you apply that knowledge in experimentation when you uh, run through a range of experiment in different situations, different kind of setting, different kind of context, and then you draw upon higher level conclusion, what works, what doesn't work, why something doesn't work, why something works better, and how we uh, collectively can make it better. That's mm-hmm. wisdom. Those conclusions we can draw at any age. Uh, mm-hmm. In my life, I got, uh, got the opportunity to do those experiments very early. So I think mm-hmm. I have drawn upon those conclusions so early in my life, which I'm kind of still living through and able to convert those into books or articles or research mm-hmm. or other pieces. So mm-hmm. same way. Um, my recommendation is that the kids should not just try to focus on content, but they need to focus on experimentation. They need to be exposed to multiple failures. They need mm-hmm. to be given hard problems to solve experiment, being more creative. That's where we'll have to put them in their reflection mode that, okay, all right, you went through this. What did you learn? What you could have done uh, different? Instead of giving them a recipe, do this. Ask them, how could you have done differently? And that's wisdom. It's slowly, slowly going to build up. But that's how I think uh, the whole system needs to be changed or how we as parents need to coach our kid to build the wisdom in early uh, phases of their life.
1: And I think that's really, um, I think that's really valuable because we so often talk about um, wisdom being age, you know, age associated. But, you know, wisdom, it's like the times when I'll be talking to my children, I have three children, and they will, one of them will say something and I'll sort of sit there going, you know, you're right, you might be, you know, under 20, But that insight is something, a perspective I hadn't looked at. And I think, you know, for us, that was part of those moments that drew us to creating AWARE because awareness is not about age. It's not about all the jobs you've done. It's about experience and what you capture from that and how you can sort of speak that back, how you can associate that to other people and create those moments where the penny drops for others. And I think that's when that true mm-hmm. wisdom and awareness comes from.
2: That's right. Well said.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah every now and then she's incredibly brilliant. It doesn't happen often, does, but every now time. and
1: again it just
2: <laughs> yeah. I think the reason why it doesn't yeah. happen is, I'm sorry, I have didn't... to interrupt you. Um, no, no, I think the no, reason no. why that awareness doesn't come early is because we are in a race.
1: We are in a race
2: to go ahead and we compare uh, ourselves with other people so much. Mm. We're busy trying to be Mm. successful. Mm. And I think those, uh, uh, I would say, disturbed definitions of success is what doesn't let us become too aware about these kind of things.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think it's getting harder and harder as as we're more and more connected to pull away from that comparative viewpoint and start to redefine ourselves by our own pathway rather than constantly looking at how others um, succeed.
1: Yeah, um, yep. yeah, and it's intrinsically, I think, that comparative point is, you know, as, as human behaviour, it's it's intrinsically society, you know, within society, ingrained in everything that we do. When we're graded on a test, we're averaged against others in you know a sporting activity we're put back against the performance of another or the goals that we're attaining to in everything that we do and I think if we could think more holistically and start from the front about I mean, Sarah and I talk about you know the failure fund where you learn the most from what you fall over on Mm -hmm. you know you learn the most from those failures and What we need to, I think, and, you know, what you've talked about is that reflection in our education systems, reflection in our learning process of going back and picking up those points and going, they're not a bad thing. There's an opportunity out of them. And encouraging greater self-reflection, I think, would, you know, enhance society um, significantly.
2: Agree that's right
1: yeah. So, where to now doctor where are you going
0: now what's what's the next five to ten years got in store for you um,
2: that's a hard question do you like how that's i
1: called
0: you
2: doctor i think i'm done with doctors <laughs> so <laughs> no i think uh, i think the way i look at it is that you know when i was going through my journey i found that was my race and it, yeah. the I did not have any goal to make a bigger impact in the world because I was trying to make impact on myself. And that incidentally uh, turned out to be a turning point for me. And Mm. uh, recently I delivered a talk. And the title of this talk is that uh, first, before you impact the world, you're going to need to impact yourself. And I think we spend very little time impacting ourselves, the people around us or Our own ecosystem if we don't impact the way we think if we don't impact the way we learn if we don't impact the the way we clarify our motivations and inspirations there's no way we're going to be able to impact anyone else so uh, Mm -hmm. that's the kind of you know concept i'm taking forward uh, Mm -hmm. over the next 10 years that how can i equip people either through my books or through my speeches or probably through my videos or uh, uh, some other forums like this podcast, where i can communicate message that you're gonna need to start with you impact start with you first you need yeah. to impact yourself before talking too big that you're gonna impact a million people or something I, i'm pretty sure that you guys heard those kind of uh, slogans these days those slogans are very common but the thing about that's when first we're gonna need to impact ourselves and then the part of that one is I'm trying to see that people need clarity to do that. And yeah. my perspective of clarity is two things. You're going to need to know why, why you're doing things, and you need to know what for. Where mm-hmm. exactly you are going to take the thing? So your entire journey is between these two points. Why and what for. So once, yeah. I mean, how people can get that clarity, that's the kind of concept I'm putting together. Probably I'm going to write certain books and going to do some yeah. coaching with the people. And that's mm-hmm. the direction I'm moving, uh, mm-hmm. making people feel that they are, uh, if they are not enough, that's okay. But then they can use their lacks, they can use their limitations, they yes. can use whatever they're missing in their life as a leverage or X point, X factor. Mm-hmm to move mm-hmm. forward. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of horizon for me. I opened up a forum called ExpertEx and mm-hmm. uh, my plan is to basically make it as a one-stop uh, solution for people mm-hmm. where yeah. they can uh, come to learn, learn how to learn faster, so yeah. and how to move forward quickly. So yeah. that's the kind and of think, a plan.
1: <laughs> that's the plan. It sounds like <laughs> a so great plan. And I think that's what really sort of resonated with us in in having a conversation with you today and sort of, how we think there's some such strong alignment in, you know, in what you have already achieved and and your methodology to what we're doing. And I think, you know, there's some amazing opportunities for like-minded people to collaborate around Mm. how you have that impact by teaching people how to have that impact with themselves first. And I know that's something we're exceptionally passionate about. And um, you know, it's it's just amazing to to share that similar passion with someone such as yourself.
2: Thank so you. I
0: look, I would love to um, follow you on this journey. It seems to me that as you're your evolution of self continues, you know, you're reaching out to deeper and deeper stuff and keep Mm -hmm. asking yourself, well, why does that happen? And through your own experience, you share that on. So I love how altruistic you are, that you are always looking at my benefit can be then shared so others benefit. And I think as long as you've got that lovely balance between my growth and what I can give, you're always going to be landing um, in a beautifully successful place, be it emotionally Financially, or just in life, yeah. Um, really, thank you for coming on and sharing. It's been amazing, so, yeah, hasn't it? Has been. It has been really. I just, i you know, it'll resonate with me quite a while afterwards. This, this lovely boy forced to go slow has been maybe a groundbreaker about how to actually go fast in another way. Yeah. And um, there's just something beautiful about life if you if you take the hard stuff that you're given, and um, as you said, it was hard. And it took you a while to find that energy and that confidence and that insight or or just belief to Mm. find your place. But look how many people... You've helped, and look at the man you became.
1: That's right, and I congratulate you for that.
0: Yes, we congratulate you, Doctor, for being a good well human done, being.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I mean, it was a fantastic conversation with you guys, and uh, we went into a lot of reflections. So it's mm-hmm. it is really pleasure, and I'm honored to be you know having conversation Thank you, with Sarah. you.
0: Let's touch base as you, you go into your next phase and see yeah. how you're going. And certainly we'll um, uh, definitely be promoting your books and your videos and your links, and anyone can jump in and learn learn more than just learning fast. Maybe learn yeah. more about being a um, really lovely and valuable human being mm-hmm. and valuing yourself along the way. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank, Thanks so thank much. Thank you so much,
2: Sarah and Nikki. I appreciate it. All right,
0: all. and uh, enjoy Singapore. (laughs)
2: Certainly. Thank you.
0: See you out of lockdown.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. um,
0: (laughs) We so love our job. Every now and then you meet a man that has risen beyond what the world dealt out um, with such a beautiful view on helping others. And there's something about... When it is tough for us and we have been given the hardest hand in life, there's a lovely ability to see people, the worthiness of community and a softness about how to be accepting and uh, Roman certainly took us through that. From isolation via disability to a lack of speed to compensate. From asking if not this, what else? Um, I think his idea of self-acceptance, we could all take on board and reflect a little bit more about what we are preoccupied with instead of thinking what our ability truly could be. Dr. Rahman Atri is quite prolific. He writes at least 15 books, poetry, and also enjoys face portraits, which is fascinating. You can touch base and follow him on his website,
1: Thank you for listening to The Aware
0: Podcast and we really hope you enjoyed our guest's insight and the little quiz at the end just for a bit of fun. Music for The Aware Podcast is by Tape Machine featuring LFA, The song title is This Is Who I Am. If you would like to be a guest or contact us regarding The Aware platform, please email awarearcgroup at gmail.com That's aware, A-R-C, ARC, group, at gmail.com. We are Nikki Mackie and Sarah Godfrey. See you next time.